Well, hello, my friends. Uh, welcome to the first ever podcast of Words for Everlasting Life. I'm Pastor Bert Clark. I'm the pastor at the St. David Church of the Nazarene. And like I said, this is my first ever podcast. And uh, eh, I was prompted to start this because of uh, the weather conditions that we have here in Illinois. And uh, some of you my uh, congregation is uh, elderly and can't get out and uh, I'm hoping that they have access to a smartphone tablet or a computer but uh, I'll hope you will uh, enjoy listening to the message this morning from the Word of God I've entitled this I can't do this on my own I know you're going to find this difficult to believe, but I've developed a fondness for eating, and not only that, I've developed a fondness for eating just about everything that causes cancer in rats, and causes weight gain. And because I've gotten to the point where I know if I don't do something about it pretty soon, it's liable to cause me some medical issues. And because of that, I've been devoting quite a lot of time to researching the nutritional and medical benefits of a variety of different dieting strategies. And right now, I'm about halfway through a 400-page book called The China Study, which uh, reports on the results of a comprehensive research project over a period of about eight years studying the correlation between diet and disease across about 28 different regions in China, since the diet differs dramatically according to region in China. Well, the book talks about how the occurrence of heart disease, diabetes, and cancer varies across the regions according to the amount of animal protein that's in their diet. And I've also read the results of various research projects done on animals in the laboratory. Now, after studying a multitude of sources and listening to the testimony of various witnesses, I'm 99.9% confident that a whole food plant-based diet would all but eliminate the risk of me dying from heart disease, diabetes, or the majority of cancers that seem to plague our Western civilization. Now, you would think that given that I'm 99.9% confident that if I give up meat, dairy, and eggs, that I would wholeheartedly embrace this strategy, forsake McDonald's and the Longhorn Steakhouse, and be well on my way to perfect health. Well, I haven't, and I didn't. Why not? I mean, to me, it's obvious that I should. It's obvious that I would lose weight, be heart-healthy, and probably cancer-free the rest of my life. Why don't I do what I know is best for me? Well, it's because of what I would have to commit to giving up. You see, I don't like killing animals, but I love a good steak. I love animal protein, and even butter and ice cream are derivatives of animal protein. And even though plant-based protein is shown to even reverse the effects of disease caused by eating animal protein, 
I'm still not ready to pull the trigger on such a radical change to my diet. Now, before any of you go getting upset with me because you don't like me undermining meat markets and dairy farms, I've got to tell you, today's message has nothing to do with dieting. It has everything to do with knowing what's good for you and knowing you ought to change, and yet you don't. Turn with me, if you will, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and we're going to just read verses 4 and 5. Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And no, it's not a misprint. We really are in the same verses we were in a couple weeks ago in the church. Chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark has a lot of important information packed into it. If you're like me, the information there is so familiar that you typically just read through it without thinking much about it. Last week, my message was from the same chapter, and I covered the four dependable witnesses to the identity of Jesus. John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, the prophets, John the Baptist, and the Father and Holy Spirit themselves. But today I want to talk about this message of John the Baptist, this idea of repentance and how it relates to our standing with God. You see, not only did John preach a message of repentance, so did Jesus. I think it's important that we grasp this concept because not only is it one of the articles of faith in the Nazarene Church, but it's a critical element of salvation. Now, beginning with verse 4 of chapter 1. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Thank you, Jesus. John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia, and it means feelings of guilt and, by implication, reversal of a decision. The dictionary defines it as a feeling or expressing sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. Now, if I go back to Webster's Dictionary of 1828, we get a clearer picture of just how serious the word repentance is. And I quote, Sorrow or deep contrition for sin as an offense and dishonor to God, a violation of his holy law, and the basis ingratitude towards a being of infinite benevolence. In other words, you have to come to the point where you view your sin as feelings or actions as ungrateful, without moral principles, towards a being of infinite generosity and kindness. And you commit to change. You commit with sincere resolution to live in obedience to his divine law. So what has repentance to do with salvation? Can you... Believe without repentance and still be saved? Well, I don't think so. 
But I think there's an awful lot of so-called Christians that do believe that. And they need to be blanketed in prayer for salvation because it's harder to bring them into the fold than it is for someone who's never heard the word of God. Repentance involves recognizing that you have thought wrongly in the past and determining to think rightly in the future. The repentant person has second thoughts about the mindset he formerly embraced. There is a change of disposition and a new way of thinking about God, about sin, about holiness, and about doing God's will. True repentance is prompted by godly sorrow, and it leads to salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 tells us, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. You see, repentance leads to salvation. It's a prerequisite to salvation. That kind of destroys the myth that all you have to do is pray an easy-peasy prayer that says, I believe, come into my heart and save me, Lord Jesus. Don't get me wrong, that's a great prayer if you have repented. Otherwise, that prayer is nothing but the sound of a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And that is why the church doesn't seem to have the power that we read about in the book of Acts. Repentance lays that foundation of humility and brokenness that allows the Holy Spirit to do his work. Repentance and faith can be understood as two sides of the same coin. It's impossible to place your faith in Jesus Christ as a Savior without first changing your mind about your sin and about who Jesus is and what he's done. In John 3.16, the word believe comes from the Greek word pistuio. It means to have faith in and entrust your spiritual well-being to Christ. Whether it's repentance from willful rejection or repentance from ignorance or disinterest, it's a change of mind. Biblical repentance in relation to salvation is changing your mind from rejection of Christ to faith in Christ. Now, repentance is not a work we do to earn salvation. No one can repent and come to God unless God pulls that person to himself. But Jesus said that when a person searches for him with their whole heart, they'll find him. Nobody is a lost cause. John chapter 6, verse 44 states, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Repentance is something God gives. It's only possible because of his grace. You cannot do this on your own, but when God brings you to the point of godly sorrow, he only asks that you commit to change and entrust your faith to Jesus. Listen to Acts chapter 11, verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then even to Gentiles God has granted repentance that leads to life. No one can repent unless God grants repentance. All of salvation, including repentance and faith, is a result of God drawing us 
opening our eyes and changing our hearts. God's patience leads us to repentance as does his kindness. If you've not truly surrendered to the Lord, it may be that you're only alive because of his grace and drawing you to him. 2 Peter 3.9 states, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen to Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? While repentance is not a work that earns salvation... Repentance unto salvation does result in works. It's impossible to truly change your mind without changing your actions in some way. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? In the Bible, repentance results in a change in behavior. That is why John the Baptist called people to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. A person who has truly repented of sin and exercised faith in Christ will give evidence of a changed life. Some of you may remember the story of Zacchaeus. He was a man who cheated and stole and lived lavishly on his ill-gotten gains until he met Jesus. At that point, he had a radical change of mind. Look, Lord, said Zacchaeus. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus happily proclaimed that salvation had come to Zacchaeus' house, and that even the tax collector was now a son of Abraham, a reference to Zacchaeus' faith. The cheat became a philanthropist. The thief made restitution. That's repentance coupled with faith in Christ. Repentance properly defined is necessary for salvation. It's not about repeating some simple prayer like some sort of magic incantation and your ticket to the glory train is punched. Salvation is not a one-and-done thing. If you have believed and repented, you were saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved by God's grace. That's why the Apostle Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Biblical repentance is changing your mind about your sin. No longer is sin something to toy with. It's something to be forsaken as you flee from the coming wrath. It's also changing your mind about Jesus Christ. No longer is he to be mocked, discounted, or ignored. He is the Savior to be clung to. He is the Lord to be worshipped and adored. As we make our way into 2024, let's not think that we need to water down the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to gain new converts. Drawing people to Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit. Let us continue to pray that people will be convicted of their sin and be drawn to the only one that can do anything about it. Let's not sell a message that Jesus came to save without commitment. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Everyone that comes to Jesus needs to consider what he's expecting of them when they come to him. And he knows that you cannot keep that commitment on your own. That's why he went to the cross. But if you repent and entrust your faith to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be your guide and your counselor. Repentance is only the beginning that leads to salvation. Salvation leads to joy in the Lord, a peace that passes all understanding, and eternal life. Salvation has great dividends, but it came with a great price, and it's not to be taken lightly. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Lord, I pray that you open every heart that hears this message, that... Uh, they hear what you want them to hear. That repentance becomes real to them. That we can begin to see the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of all Christians. That we can begin to see some of the power and, and the love that we read about in the book of Acts in the early church. God bless you. Love you all. And if you've uh, gotten anything out of this message, I hope you'll drop me a line and message me in Facebook Messenger. Uh, I think I'm in under there under uh, Facebook.BertClark. Uh, I think most of you know how to find me. But I'd really love to hear about it if you, uh, if, for one thing, if you ever, if you actually found this podcast. And number two, if it uh, touched you in any way. God bless you. See you in the next uh, podcast. Love you all. Bye.